0: Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go.
1: He said, uh, I'm gonna shut down all the streets around you. We're gonna give you our stage so you can have musical acts. Uh, I'll give you all the infrastructure and the people that will do the lighting, the electrical, the trash. And I was like, what? She said, well, you're gonna have a festival.
0: Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders and innovators served up on the house. On today's show, we chat with James Beard award-winning chef Chris Shepard, founder of the nonprofit Southern Smoke. Most of us in the hospitality industry wouldn't consider ourselves needy or in need of service. We're internally motivated, not afraid to work hard and resourceful as hell. But when the pandemic hit, it decimated our industry. Out of the blue, Southern smoke came to the rescue. To date, they've distributed millions of dollars to hospitality workers in need. Today, its founder shares its origins, its mission, and what they're doing to ensure we're all taken care of.
1: You know, I grew up in Oklahoma and moved to Houston to, to work, go to school. Um, in 95, and have just been doing this for a long time, and then, um, you know, restaurants and different places. and um, But Underbelly is kind of where it, it staked the claim, if you will. Um, and we were doing dinners to... Uh, raised money for culinary scholarships. And the one thing that I didn't want was my GM slash SOM on here on a Sunday when he needed to be with his family. You know, he had two young kids at the time. Um, and so, uh, a place that he and I both worked at before we had another called his name's Antonio Giannola, who would come in, I asked him to come in and, and be our guest. SOM. It was like bringing the team back together. And, uh, so we raised enough money to put somebody through culinary school and, um, was sitting right menus one night and Antonio shows up at like, uh, it was like 10 one night. I was like, what, what are you doing here? And he's like, just wondering if you're doing these dinners again. I was like, I don't know why. So what well, can we do one towards MS? And I said, well, we can, but why? And he said, well, I, I got diagnosed with MS this week. Um, and so I want to, at the time we had just lost a young, very talented chef. Um, because of MS and not talking about it. And so Antonio said that he wanted to be the guy that spoke up about it, that knew that people knew what was going on with him. That um, He kind of just it was like, I want to be the poster child for MS. So when people come into the shop or when people come to see me, they know, and I don't have to hide it. They can ask, like, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? He's like, people will always check on me. I was like, absolutely, we can do that. He's like, I don't need financial assistance. I'm doing good. I just need people to be aware of what MS is and how do we do this? And I said, all right. So we started looking at it and I said, give me a little bit. Let me think about how this is going to work because doing a dinner in the restaurant and raising five or 10 or $15,000 just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, so I said, well, let's do this thing in the back parking lot. And we'll do this kind of take over the whole restaurant in the parking lot. And we'll, I called Aaron Franklin. I said, do you want to do Texas cuisine with me? said yeah so i called rodney scott and sean brock and i was like you guys want to do low country cuisine we'll do this kind of play on this dinner they all said yes and i went to the mayor's department of special events and asked if i could shut down the sidewalks she asked me what i was doing i told her she said no this isn't going to work like this and i was like ah shit (laughs) she said uh i'm going to shut down all the streets around you we're going to give you our stage so you can have musical acts we're going to do Uh, I'll give you all the infrastructure and the people that will do the lighting, the electrical, the trash. And I was like, what? She said, well, you're going to have a festival.
0: Oh my God. All
1: right. And I walked out with Lindsay. I was like, what the hell just happened, man? She's like, I guess we're having a festival. And so, okay, we need more chefs. So we got some local guys that had restaurants here, but it just turned into, uh, I said I wanted to raise $100,000 for MS and they laughed when I called them and told them because we were about a month out and I was like, maybe we should tell the MS society we're doing this, mm-hmm. you know, planning it for eight months. Like maybe we should tell them. And I was like, yeah, we probably, should. <laughs> I said, you know, we got on the phone. I said, I'm going I'm to raise $100,000. They, 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 ch- they chuckled, you know, because I, I get it too. Like I didn't take offense to it because people always, um, People always just, you know, don't understand what it takes to run a, a party, you know, mm-hmm. to get money back. So the same people that laughed, cried when I wrote them a check for $181,000. Um, and then year two, we did it again, had more chefs come in, and we raised 284000 In And year three, right before year three, we were about two months out, Hurricane Harvey came through and really put a, put a whoop into Houston. And so um, we're sitting in the dining room, and I started getting it. A couple texts from friends around the country, like, how do I put money into the hands of people in the hospitality industry? I said, fuck, I don't know. There's J.J. Watt's fund. There's the mayor's fund. There's, you know, Red Cross, but there's nothing designated towards people in the hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. We can do it. Let's just start cutting checks to people. And they're like, you can't legally do that. (laughs) All right. I stood out in front of the restaurant like watching the waters recede. Legitimately, this was day two. I looked up and I saw um, Legacy Community Health Billboard, which is, they're right behind the restaurant, actually. Uh, it's our community health hospital. And uh, we started looking at ways. We really looked at um, uh, the Giving Kitchen out of Atlanta and how they were doing things. And uh, I said to Lindsay and Catherine Lott, who was just coming on board as our executive director. And I said, I, I don't, I don't care. We have to be able to set up a way and they figured it out. It's awesome that anybody in our industry, whether they work through the drive-through, whether they plant vegetables, whether they're a bus wait, or waiter, cook, does it, hostess, I don't care. Anybody in the drive and stock the milk. I don't mm-hmm. care. Um, we have to be able to take care of everybody in that, in this. And, and, and so they figured out a way that the application process could come through and then a verifying, verifying process and then an awards committee. So it was multiple phases of how this worked, where it became anonymous as well, because that was very big to me that it was it was done anonymously. Mm-hmm. Um, but that year we, we took over 250 applications and we granted 139 families half a million dollars.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And so that was like one of the greatest feelings I've ever had. And so then we continue to keep doing this every year. We start splitting more. We split, we always contribute to MS. That was the thing with the festival. We always give a hundred to $150,000 to MS. And then the rest of that money goes to the hospitality relief foundation, um, or fund. And then when COVID came through, uh, We had two and a half employees. They legitimately had Catherine, uh, Allison Lott, who was working part-time, and then we had made the decision in January to hire somebody else. uh, Just because if anything ever happened, like, we would need an extra hand. We needed an extra caseworker. It was getting to be too much for Catherine, you know. And then COVID happens, and we ended up, I think we have a staff of 40 at this point. Because um, we've taken a bunch of folks that were in the industry that got furloughed or lost their jobs or what have you, um, taught them to be caseworkers. And at this point, remember that 250 applications we talked about with Harvey, we over 25,000 applications right now.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Um, and as of uh, yesterday, yesterday... Since COVID started, we've granted over a thousand families a little over $2 million. Well, is
0: the money, st- that's amazing. Is the money still coming in?
1: Yeah. Uh, people are donating? Yeah, people are donating. Companies are donating. Um, Restaurant Workers Community Foundation or Fund has been um, amazing. That's been our, 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 you know, they're a huge um, fundraising group. And they are taking fifty percent of everything that they raise and giving to Southern Smoke, to so that we can, can delve it out to folks in the hospitality industry, which is really so beautiful, you know. And, and it's things like the Houston Texans came in for fifty thousand, you know. Um, Tito's Vodka split up a million dollars between four charities, and, and now I, I even like to. Tomorrow night, um, Willie Nelson and Paul Simon are doing a concert, and we're one of the seven foundations that are are receiving funds from that. So um, it's, we'll get through it together, but this is the, by no means is it anywhere near being um, okay or close to, you know, even when restaurants are open and running, like, how long does it take? I mean, we've been open for uh, three weeks now, Mm -hmm. two, three weeks. And it's just, you know, even at 50%, that doesn't mean you're packing in 50%.
0: Like it, right, for sure.
1: It, it doesn't, that, those numbers don't equate, you know. We may get 50% of the 40% that are willing to go out, you know. And then all of the other restaurants that are open too, like there's still only 40%. Like you're busy on the weekends and weeks are you know, somewhat scarce and they're okay. We're building, it's building, it's building, it's building, you know, because as of this weekend, we go to, our governor has deemed that we can go to 75%. So that's great. Yeah, it doesn't mean you get 75% occupancy.
0: <laughs> no, certainly not.
1: It's like, you can talk about how many people still feel comfortable to go out, right? And it's, it's few and far between. People are like, I'll go to a patio maybe, but mm-hmm. not. So, you know, restaurants have got a long term, they got a lot, of, lot to cope.
0: Well, and, and I think that that's something worth talking about, especially considering, uh, you know, the, the goals of Southern Smoke, uh, because when, when restaurants come back, when we're at 100% capacity, when everything's back to normal, you probably still experience, what, a 30 40% permanent closure rate across yeah. the industry, which is going to work. I think in bubble for a long time, so the
1: bubble just pops,
0: that's going to leave a lot of people unemployed, millions of people unemployed.
1: But it's, uh, you know, it's trying to find ways to, you know, I know that we're, you know, we're probably 60 to 65, maybe 70% down from normal. Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I make that back? <laughs> right. right, right. What, what other stupid shit can we do that, you know, will make sense? So, I mean, that's, it's kind of where we're at now putting food in the grocery stores and the H-E-B's and the Zoom classes and creating new companies to gain marketability shares and it's just it's interesting
0: is it are you into it i i mean it's you know we we got into this you know i'm a restaurateur as well and I got into this because I, I, I had a simple plan, right? I was going to open a place, people were going to come to that place, I was going to feed them, and then they were going to leave and hopefully come back soon, and that yeah. was it, right? Like that was it. It. it doesn't work like that now, though. No, it doesn't. And so, like you know, is it is it a, a joyous pivot? Is this a rebirth? Or are you like, this is what I have to do to survive? And as soon as I can get back to the way we used to do business. That's where I'd like to be. I think
1: that's the case, right? But at this point, we're building so many new ventures that could be viable. Like, I, if we're still back at the restaurants doing these, like now I've just started a new organ, like a new company, and giving people new jobs, and and that's that to me is really beneficial, right? Like. You know, saying that the face of the restaurant industry is going to be different is very much a true statement. But how do you make sure that you can build yourself out to so not be that fragile eggshell that we were before?
0: And, and you see opportunity here. You're yeah. actually trying to grow, right?
1: Yes. I'm not. I'm not. You know, everybody's got a too small to fail. I definitely say I'm too dumb to fail. <laughs> I'm gonna make it. You know, I'm gonna fight and I'm gonna scratch. And as a group, we're gonna be like. You know, when this all first started, it's like, what is the dumbest shit you could do? How do we make that a viable solution? You know, how do we do this? Like, the things that before you were like, nah, that won't work. Now you have to make work, you know? We had a lifeline and a blessing that H-E-B, our local grocery store, <clears throat> reached out to us to put food in, in, you know, a couple of stores. Now we're in 16 stores. Um, now there's a whole crew doing these things. Like, how do we? But now, how do we get to 500 stores? Mm-hmm. Right, that's the goal. Um, how do how do we take technology as it is and and make it viable? How do we do Zoom classes that make money? Like, how do we do? Um, you know, hell, how do I get the sausage company off the ground? You know, like yeah. there's there's all these different variables that we've always looked at and been like, man, well, we got time for that we'll We'll take care of it later mm-hmm. now now is later
0: yeah absolutely I uh, so was just, pushed side,
1: it's time to go now
0: for sure is there a central focus on delivery was there before covid and what about now
1: uh you know what I couldn't figure out delivery I can't figure out um, third party delivery systems either I, mean, I just it, it's not something i, I Houston's big. People will come out, right? Mm-hmm. If we did, you, you understand margins. If someone's taking 25% from me, what margin do I have?
0: You're working for them.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I, and like, I, I'd, I'd rather not do it than do it. You know, I don't want to just put numbers up to just look at numbers and be like, <laughs> we didn't make anything. I still can't pay for that shit. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And I, I understand that, like, if you're working numbers, the number game works, but you'd have to do massive amounts to make 5%, maybe? How do you say you buy a different to-go packaging? Like, I, don't, I don't know. You know, what makes sense for me is, like, we have a steakhouse. Why are we not selling our beef? Right. And so we've, you know, you can buy anything from the Georgia James meat market. hmm And, you know, there was one day, held and... and I forgot when it was. Middle of April, we started doing it. We sold like 76 ribeyes in an afternoon.
0: That's incredible. Raw, raw,
1: vacuum sealed. Just, here you go. And it, it's like that all the time. You know, and it's just finding I've, you know, we've come to the conclusion that there isn't going to be a profit anytime soon. It just got to not make it a negative. <laughs> you know? right. like, how do we keep it that? Because I don't. I don't want to have to you know, it's a scary time for us. It's like, we were one of the first, we were blessed, absolutely blessed to be one of the first people to get PPP. Right. Mm -hmm. But we did exactly how the law said to do it. And, and now I think that's going to be a detriment to us in this, in a a small asset, you know, like I wish I would have known, Hey, you were going to have 24 weeks, not eight.
0: Right. It's a game changer.
1: it is. It's a game changer for people that just are, have held on to it or just now using it. Um, for us, I, I, you know, it's 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 going to be pretty tricky, but we'll, we'll get through it, you know. Um, we, we, we took that eight weeks and we opened up everything and we right. did as much as we possibly could. You know what? It was all about the name of the game was stack cash.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. Right?
1: We have everything paid. Let's stack cash. Let's let's don't take like, take this for granted. Let's use it and run with it, you know. Bring everybody in. Let's get everything dialed in. So when we have to swing it back, we can swing it back. But let's get it to the point where it's perfect now.
0: Yeah. We'll see. Any aha moments? I mean, I'm sure you've been working 80 to 100 hours a week for how many years now? Too many. Right? (laughs) For sure. That's the nature of the beast. But the quarantine and the pandemic has given us an opportunity to sit back, right? Even if it's just for a moment and evaluate the decisions that we've made in the past. Um, How much, you know, how much of of your life is, you know, a structured plan that you created and and you you wholeheartedly believe in? And how much of it was, you know, you started on a specific track, got a little derailed, but the momentum was there, so you just kept going. Any aha moments through this process?
1: I think that my team is so down to do whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. that... I, uh, we sat back before this all happened, and we had the conversation of what happens when it does, because it was very clear it was going to. Mm-hmm. All right when they in Houston, it didn't matter what they had done, but when they canceled the fucking rodeo, everybody's like, "This is a thing."
0: Oh <laughs> yeah, know? oh yeah. Was like,
1: all right, let's have this conversation. And how everybody was like, "This is what we're going to do, and we're going to push through, and we're going to get it done, and because we believe in it." And it's like, all right you know, to have so many people that'll do whatever it takes on a daily basis. And just, I mean, I always knew that was happening. I always knew my managers and my staff were like that, but I'd never quite felt it before. Like now, you know, when we, when we decided that like how we are going to break up the restaurants and go to four days on, four days off, and I wasn't going to see half my team for six weeks, you know, because they were on the other four, other four days, we just didn't cross-contaminate each other and seeing where we've gone and seeing how we got there. It's been, it's been really, it's been really beautiful, um, and I think our, our team has become much tighter because of it. And I, I think um, unity is always that aha moment.
0: Agreed. So there's hope and there's gratitude. Is there any fear there? Every day but you can't think about it you can't show it you gotta punch
1: fear in the face you know and just keep going and then just like we'll cross that bridge when we get to it you know and it's like there's always been the okay we need to have the conversations when PPP runs out like what are we gonna do and I'm like I'm not having that fucking conversation we're gonna fucking fight and then we'll fight more and then we'll figure out how it looks then like I'm not I'm not willing to walk around and be like that person's gonna be gone you know like I'm not doing that
0: yeah absolutely
1: the the eventual, if we don't get guests back in the restaurant, then that's going to happen, right? If we can't get the systems built fast enough, it's going to happen. But I just, there's nothing else out there. So I worry about where they're going, you know, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't be a part of
0: that. Yeah work-life balance. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously though, man, like, you know, you just took a breath, right? At least for a couple of days, maybe even for a couple of weeks Were you like, maybe I can do this and not work a hundred hours a week. Or are you like, maybe I should work 120 hours a week?
1: Um, I've always had a pretty good work-life balance, you know, um, I know I I brought that on myself a long time ago. I always know that uh, I'll take one day off, maybe a week, or try to. This during this I haven't really. Um, it's been pretty much every day, but uh, well, there's some days that I, you know. I guess for me, you know, growing up and working, you know, getting here at ten or nine a.m. every day, and then going through dinner service and being here until eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, one o'clock. I don't do that anymore. You know, um, I think when when I pulled myself off of the past and, and let other people start to do that, become part, you know, to have their voice in the restaurants and having, you know, uh, CDCs in every restaurant and, and letting them do it. And, uh, you know, I was talking to other chefs around the country, like, what, "What? you're not home by eight o'clock every night? And I'm like, no, fuck, are you serious? They're like, dude, you're doing it wrong. And it's like, when I realize that, like, if I, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, um, but if if uh, if I can't sit back and teach my people and manage my people better then I'm doing, it all fucking wrong. Um, and it's uh, it's getting them to be to have their voice and to be those people that they need to be, just with uh, guidance is is how it has to work.
0: Agreed. So,
1: you know, will I take a couple of days? Yep. Absolutely. I mean, everybody asked me a question, you know, like what, what's, where's the place you're going to go when you can open back up and, and uh, you know, and travel again, I said, so, man, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to travel up down the street and see my restaurants and see the people working in them, doing the things that they're doing that makes them happy and full of love and full of joy. And, you know, if they're busy and that, that makes me happier than anything. And then maybe we'll go someplace, you
0: know, but let's talk about legacy. So, you know, you've won, what, just about every accolade there is to win. You've got a bunch of restaurants that even though they're not making money now, they did make money for a long time. And you started a nonprofit that services the industry that you came up in. What's next?
1: I don't know. I'll figure out something dumb to do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I want to put... I want to put restaurant people in the places that they need to be chefs and general managers and people who run things. Um, I need to build a company that can support all of them and their desires and wishes and dreams, not just mine. Right. Um, Cause somebody gave me the opportunity a long time ago and, and I took it and um, I want to give that same opportunity to our staff, the people that have been here for a long time. And I think that, if we can build a group of restaurants um, where people have ownership in those and and belief and and they're doing their things, then, then that's, that's going to be the greatest, you know, will I ever retire? Who does that? (laughs) What does that mean? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I hope that Southern smoke really for me is that, of uh, organization that people will start to mimic and create on their own. And, you know, I, I looked at Caitlin Golan, who I wrote the, Cookbook with, the Cook Like a Local Book. I said, I know what the next book is. She said, oh man, like what? And I said, I want to write a, like a manifest on how to do Southern smoke. And that people can um, take that not just in our industry, but in, in every industry and, and build a safety net for a lot of people in the country. Because um, I don't think that it should just be one or two or three organizations that are very, you know, specific. I think that every organization, I mean, you can build this organization just for every industry if you needed to, and I think it would be beneficial. Agreed. Because, you know, at some point, this shit's going to happen again, right? Or something different. And then maybe it doesn't affect the restaurant industry, but it affects a different industry. And all of a sudden, you've got massive layoffs in that industry. Well, where do those people go? You know? And so we all chose careers that we love to do. And when you get told you can't do it anymore, like, I don't, I don't know how that works.
0: It's heartbreaking. So
1: it is. It is. So there needs to be that an organization there for them.
0: Agreed. It's an industry podcast and we talk to each other, but at the end, I like to give everyone the opportunity to talk directly to the people in the industry. Is there anything you'd like to say? Man, just keep your head down.
1: Do it. We'll get through all of this, right? We'll all come out on this better people for it. Uh, We're going to learn. Sometimes you don't need to speak. You just need to listen and then change and understand what that change is. Use your voice for good use your voice for um, for knowledge and learning and love it may seem like these are the worst times we've ever seen but if we can do this together we get through it together and we'll be better on in, uh, in, in in life because we're on this very small planet spinning in the same direction we're all on it we can all do it together it's just trust and faith and belief
0: in it. we can do it That's Chef Chris Shepherd of Southern Smoke. If you're interested in donating or need financial assistance, visit SouthernSmoke.org. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to That's joshkopel.com. That's J O S H K O P E L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.